This is CliffCentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law. Like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life. With Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. Dr. Old Doctor, I'm a feeling mighty bad. I'm a hurting from my head down to my feet. Tell me, is it true? All I need is a note from you and I can get me some of that wonderful wacky weed. Medical marijuana. Some folks say they ought to legalize it Cause it takes away all pain So if you're on a mission and you've got a prescription You'll be feeling fine in no time Oh, medical marijuana Some folks say they ought to legalize it Cause it takes away all pain Wow, country music Especially for, your lot, especially for you. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, uh, as you, song. as you will have guessed, uh, today's show is about medical marijuana or cannabis oil, as yes. we want to call it today. Yeah, no, um, this topic has, has sparked so much curiosity on our timeline. Yep. And for all the obvious reasons. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is the Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Alongside me today and whose voice you've already heard is Lionel Makoko-Tlela. Welcome, Lions. Thank you very much, Gary. To all our podcasters, welcome on this Swagger Show in the continent. Yeah, today's show is about cannabis oil and with interest in cannabis oil reaching fever pitch worldwide, a lot of South Africans want to get in on the action. Mm. Especially on the business action But they don't quite know how legal it is And uh, many of us have heard that cannabis oil is a powerful natural cure And we are desperate to try it out Mm -hmm. Many, many people We have one or two guests Uh, One is on his way The one guest with us today uh, He rates cannabis oil as a positive alternative And absolutely swears by it and like everyone else, he started off being skeptical, but now he cries out. Oh, no, that's a beautiful song. <laughs> I'm a believer. It originally yes. by the monkeys, I think, but it was part of, um, what's that ogre called? Shrek. Uh, Shrek. 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 Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Uh, welcome to you, Ken Phillips. Good to have Hi, you in the studio. Hi, good morning. Yeah. On the law side, and that's where the interest is going to be today, we have heavyweight attorneys, especially our first. He's a very senior, very, very capable senior and uh, well-regarded attorney. It's Vaughan Harrison. He's of Hogan Lovells. They're an international law firm. Welcome to you. And many thanks for giving us your time. We appreciate it. Good to be here, Gary. Thank you. With you, uh, someone I've dealt with uh, in the past. She's very capable, very knowledgeable. She's written a number of articles on the subject. It's Mandy Krebs of the same law firm, her, law firm Hogan Lovells. Welcome to you, Mandy. Thanks so much, Gary. Yep. Our partner today, Legal Talk South Africa, are close to 200,000 very powerful members. And uh, they put our shows on their uh, Facebook page. They yes. pin it there. And they promote it for us, so we're very grateful for that. Certainly. Lion, do you want to give out the Twitter handle? Oh, yes. You can touch base with us on at Hedslaw, H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W. That's where you can actually give us any uh, notes of the topics that you would like us to talk about. And we'll make it a point that we find the best of the best, the Ross Roy in the legal fraternity to actually break down the legal jargons and make sure that the subject becomes quite interesting just so that we can actually have a dialogue about it. Yes, our Facebook page, The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg. And as Lionel always says... Give us a like and you can also <laughs> just make it a point that you give us any topics that you would like us to talk about and we'll find you somebody who's a legal guru and break down the jargons and we can have a dialogue. Let's talk to Ken Phillips first. Uh, Ken, are you a believer? I am a believer. <laughs> now, what, what is your ailment and how did you become to be a, an imbiber or a believer? How did you get to consume the stuff? Well, in 1968, I had a terrible accident on the border when I was in the army. 
And uh, I spent one year in hospital and 18 months on crutches. And my one leg was shorter than the other. And after a period of 30, 40 years, I had the most terrible pains. And two years ago, I was introduced to cannabis oil. I started taking it. I take two drops every night. And I find that it's relieved the pain. Up until then, I was sleeping maybe one hour a night. Because when I was horizontal, because of the accident that affected my spine, I couldn't sleep. And now, since taking it, I can sleep about five hours a night. And I feel relaxed and pain-free for myself during the day. If a normal, when I say a normal person, someone who hasn't had an accident or hasn't had any pain problems, it, it would be maybe 50-60% pain. I now have no pain. So I'm very thankful to it and it does work and I swear by it. Blood pressure problems, uh, many people have of your age, does it affect, uh, do you have a blood pressure problem? No, no, I'm on no medication, don't have blood pressure, high blood pressure, no cholesterol, no diabetes. So for me, it works perfectly. I just want to mention to anyone who does have uh, high blood pressure, apparently this does not affect blood pressure and uh, is a good substitution for the normal uh, conventional pain controllers, isn't it? Well, I've tried everything. Over the years, I've tried every painkiller that's on the market, and this now is the answer for me. Let's talk costs. What does this cost you? It can cost between fourteen and 1,700 rand per bottle. The bottle is like a small nose dropper. Mm-hmm. And uh, my two drops last me four months. So it's costing so, you, yeah, so three, four hundred rand a yeah. month. Yeah. So I only take two. Uh, there are certain cancer patients that take four, five drops a night. And it's not advisable to take it in the morning because it can make you a little bit wonky. Where do you get it from? Uh, I've got a supplier. Is it like a Someone who's, who's kind of selling under the counter, or is it someone who's doing it openly? No, it's not under the counter. It's basically, I'd say, kind of open. And yeah. especially after the, the rules changed and the law changed, which the attorneys can tell you about, yes. it seems to be a bit uh, easier for people to get, and people are talking about it more than they did a few months ago. A lot of people may think this is something that you believe. What's the word when you... Um you placebo. Uh, placebo, yeah. yeah. That you actually believe that there's, that you are able to sleep better. Does it genuinely and honestly allow you to sleep better? Well, as I say, I, sp- yeah. I speak for myself. Yes. Pain-free, definitely for me. Yeah. Uh, as I say, up until two years ago, I couldn't sleep more than an hour a night because I was in such agony. Did you ever consider sleeping pills? I've taken everything. I've tried everything. Mm-hmm. Does this, and everyone will want to know this, does this give you any kind of high, anything like that? Well, the first week that I took it, and if I got up at, in the evening to, you know, at night to go to the bathroom, uh, yes, I felt a bit wonky. But it gets into your system, and it's okay. I suppose if you do take too much, then you can get high, but I mean really high because it is potent. Mm. It's got the uh, chemical in it, the pure chemical THC, and that is the drug. I want to speak to Mandy about this. Uh, the lay public, Mandy, believes that cannabis oil be, being derived from dacha is something that can make you high or make you feel stoned or can be dangerous. Can you explain whether that's true or not and how it works? I think this is a very good question, Gary, and uh, people are really sort of confused as to what we're talking about if we're talking about sort of cannabis oil. Mm. So as a point of first departure, when we talk about the cannabis plant, it is it contains various compounds, and two of the more well-known compounds are THC and CBD. If we're talking about cannabis oil, mm. we're talking about an oil that is derived from the buds or flowers of the cannabis plant and which will contain both compounds, CBD and THC, but in varying concentrations. If we're talking about, for example, a hemp seed oil, that is something completely different. That is an oil that's derived from the seeds of the cannabis plant and it contains neither CBD or THC. So that's just like uh, like an olive oil, which is why it's sort of readily available, it's not regulated, etc. Mm. Now, back to the question of THC, CBD. THC is well known for being one of the compounds that has the psychoactive properties 
Um, and because of the way that it interacts in a user's brain receptors, it's, uh, it's known for causing a state of euphoria, or what's better known as a high. Mm-hmm. CBD does not have that same effect, which is why so many people, such as Ken, are considering the benefits of using it for a variety of conditions. So pain man- management, um, anti-anxiety for sleep disorders, etc. Mm-hmm. Now, neither the use of THC or CBD are likely to be fatal, but the continued prolonged use of high quantities of THC um, may be linked to certain, certain psychiatric disorders, um, you know, but... You know, this is this is something that's still very much open to, um, you know, discussion, discussion and, and, and scientific research. research exactly. Yeah. Let me ask you this question: You're a mom. Yes. You got two little ones. One is two and four, I think. It's true. Would you give them the cannabis oil for any ailment? You know, Gary, you've got to answer this question quite objectively. Mm. Um, if if myself or any of my loved ones are suffering from a condition mm. um, and they're not getting adequate relief from their symptoms by using sort of uh, you know, normal treatment protocols. Mm. Logically, I would go to any degree to find something that's going to work for my kids, but I would be very hesitant to do anything without the proper medical supervision and guidance. So there's no medical supervision on the cannabis oil. And how do we know exactly how it's made? Well, let me just take one step back. So when you mm. say there's no medical supervision, if we're going to talk about accessing CBD oil today in a South African context. We, so cannabis oil, both compounds, CBD oil in South African context means it's primarily CBD, but it contains a component of THC, but it's 0,01% concentration. So Mandy, I'm going to interrupt you. What is Ken taking? Does he know what he's taking? I'm not sure. To be very honest with you. Ken, do you know that whether it's got a CBD content or a THP? Mine, the cannabis oil I take has only got THC. In other words, there is no psycho, there's nothing that can make him, what's the word, psycho? Psychoactive. Psych- so, yeah. so no, because if the, if the cannabis oil that you're using is primarily t- THC, yeah. that is the psychoactive. No, it's CBD. Com- Yours is CBD. No, THC. THC. You're using THC. THC. So, so THC is a Schedule 6 substance, yes. okay, because it's linked to the sort of psychoactive properties, whereas CBD, on the other hand, is a slightly lower schedule, because it does not have that, those same sort of euphoric psychoactive oh. properties. Sorry, I just want to budge in here. So mm. how do you then know which the, do, the, the dosage insofar as one's body? Because that is quite critical in mm. terms of actually understanding that. Lionel, that's a very yeah. good question. So this is why I'm saying if, we're, if you are wanting to access CBD oil in South Africa, legally speaking, mm. the only way to do it as we stand here today is to go through an approval process with our health regulator which is initiated by a treating physician. It's the only way you're supposed to be accessing it legally. But because of the benefits um, to treating certain conditions, you know, people are desperate. They need relief. uh, And, you know, people are taking matters into their own hands. We know this. But this is all positive for me because we see our health regulator moving in a direction where they are starting to understand the benefits, the the, the global trends, etc., Let's talk about Ken. I just want to revert back to Ken. Mm. Ken could become addictive, addicted to what he's taking. If he's taking a pure THC oil, yeah. yes. Are you sure it's THC, Ken? Yeah. Now, that's the one that could make Ken feel euphoric and, and like he was smoking a joint. Correct. Well, is, is that, I mean, is that the way you feel sometimes? No, not at all. I suppose if I had to abuse it, I'm sure I could feel like that. But I'd, I started off taking one drop night and now over the last 18 months i only take two drops every evening would you give this to your kids or is it the same answer as mandy would you give it to your dog your cat funny enough (laughs) i've supplied it to a dog training friend of mine who trains dogs in the police force and in the army and for the pain from their hip dysplasia of the animals yes they have given it to animals and it's relieved the dog and they can see the dog's the, the way the dog is working, that it has helped. Vaughan, I, I haven't forgotten you. No, no. <laughs> can I maybe please jump in? Can yes, I pick yeah. up on a point from, from Ken? Come a little think, forward, Ken. Yes. Uh, Ken, Ken yeah. was saying quite correctly that he only takes two drops, mm. but he says it's better for him to take those drops at night rather than in the morning because it does impact upon his, I think you used the word woozy, wonky. Yeah. So that's just 
an indication of how small the quantity is that can create that effect. Mm. Um, but I think the, the bigger question probably is a point that you raised right up front, and I think Lionel also hinted on it, and in fact everybody, is quality control or rather lack of. Mm. There are people out there that are exploiting the situation. So if someone comes up to you and says, I have a bottle of cannabis oil, yes. what's in it? What are you paying? How do you know what's in it? Mm. Is it the good one? Is it the bad one? Is it the pain reliever? Which is, is the good one and which is the bad one? Well, the, the one that's going to make you high is not necessarily going to cure your pain or be medicinal. Mm. Um, and, and, and what Mandy was sort of suggesting earlier or hinting at is that there are numerous types of cannabis. Um, so some of them can, can have psychotropic effects, mind-altering effects. Some of them aren't. Mm. So there's no, at the moment, way there's that no you can walk, here, yeah. that you can walk into, we, we, on our way here down, down Ravonia Road, we passed this lovely new medical center with a lovely new disc hem that mm. you walk in and say, I want this quality controlled, quality made, quality approved, properly labeled, 100 milliliter dose, and I know what dose I should be taking. Because at the moment, it's a little bit of a free-for-all. And as Mandy was saying, it needs to be regulated, licensed, and, 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 and um, prescribed by a, a medical practitioner. Sorry, just to add to that. Yes, Mandy. Um, yeah. You know, there are kiosks in, in certain malls where they're selling cannabis oil. Yes. Uh, but to be honest with you, you can't actually be sure what's in it. Could just be hemp seed oil, which is like olive oil, which they're selling at a premium, yeah. and you know, and people who are none the wiser will try. And also, sort of because of you know the changes in legislation that we've been having uh, recently, and as Lionel said, this is very topical. I think people are quite curious. So you know, someone might mosey in and decide that they're gonna you know try some of these products that are, are on sale and they're paying a premium for it but you actually don't know what you're getting yeah. because it's not regulated it's very concerning actually very it really concerning. really is absolutely um, everyone's talking about how it's curing them here's ken saying he sleeps well at night so i think well why shouldn't i take it i'm not sleeping that well meantime i'm taking the wrong stuff true is does disc game or clicks or any of those big guys do they sell this do, would you know ken is anyone uh, i'm not sure but i know some pharmacies sell what they call cannabis oil Mm. And as Mandy said, I think most of it in the bottle is basically the base, which is olive oil. Mm. Yeah, there's a big pharmacy in the UK, uh, or, or a health food chain called uh, Holland and Barrett. I know them well. Yes. They are selling uh, a cannabis oil off the shelf. I don't know if you've seen it or you, when last were you there. I I was there a few weeks ago and I have a loyalty card. Oh, um, <laughs> But it, Holland and Barrett is, it, it's interesting because they're more of a vitamin type, supplement type nut place. Mm. So it'd be interesting to know un, under what authority they're selling that because they don't s generally sell scheduled or medicinal type products. Uh, and as far as I'm aware, the, the legal framework in the UK also needs to catch up. Mm. Um, if you, if you recall, there was that recent, um, very public, um, event of the young boy arriving a, at the airport from, Overseas, he had been treated for epilepsy with cannabis oil. Yes, yes. Was told yeah. in the UK it was illegal. It was confiscated from him. Yeah. There was a, a, a massive hue and cry. The MPs intervened. They didn't change the law, yeah. but they allowed him to be given cannabis oil. So to 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 come back to Holland and Barrett, I don't know that what they would be selling would be of any medicinal strength, yeah. um, because the UK have quite a strict regulatory environment. Sorry, Mandy, you wanted to jump in? Yeah? Sorry, Gary. The yeah. thing is, if you, if you actually go Google, what is cannabis oil? What is THC versus CBD versus hemp seed oil? With all due respect, at least 60 to 70 percent of the information you're going to be getting is it's it's very confused mm. and not 100 percent accurate. So people are using terms interchangeably without actually understanding what they are trying to talk about or mm. what they're trying to, to source. And, you know, this is, this is a big area of concern for me. The fact that people are interchangeably using terms without actually understanding that, Absolutely. you know, this is not necessarily what they're trying to access. Yeah. What, sorry. Yeah. What, what I think we're saying is that you'll, you'll get a bottle of something which may be bad for you because it's stronger or, um, not, you know, it's, it's not r the right strength or formulation for your need, or you may be sold something that has no medical benefit or value. 
So it's both ways. You could be, you know, someone just making money out of hemp seed oil and leading you to believe that it has medical properties. Let's revert to Ken. If Ken swapped and went from the THC to the CBD cannabis oil, would you know if it would have the same positive effect that the other one has? Well, Gary, this is the thing about using CBD oil is that people are saying it's really it's helping to manage uh, anxiety, sleep disorders, pain, inflammation. So yeah. it's likely yeah. that if he uses a what we would call pure CBD oil in South Africa, that he would have the same symptom relief. Would you would you consider looking for the other? Ken, that's not doesn't have any uh, ability to uh, to get you high, if I can use that term. Uh, just to go back one step. Yeah. Um, Fifteen years ago, I had a double hip replacement mm. because of the pain, and I, I was walking bent over, and I couldn't walk properly. Um, a couple of years ago, then I had to have a big back up also because of the pain. And from my original accident, the vertebrae were falling on top of one another. Um, I was advised to try this. I was a bit skeptical because I didn't know what it was. There was, as you say, there's no regulation. There's just nothing on the market people didn't know. Mm. So I tried a bottle. The guy gave me a bottle. He said, try it. If it works for you. The next one you'll pay for. Forgive me. Uh, does I, you don't have the bottle with you? No. Uh, does the bottle have any any? Uh, all it says on the bottle, it just says yeah. authentic cannabis oil. Uh, That's it. But isn't that like a room for exploitation? Because anybody can just Without come up. Yeah. yeah. So so what happened? Mm. I tried it. Yes. And it worked. Mm. It helped me with the pain. I could walk properly. I could walk upright. And to this day, it still helps. So I kept on getting it from the same person. Yes. And as you guys have said, I don't know what's in it. I do know that it has THC. Mm. And if I abuse it, one can get high. So I think you have to be disciplined when you do take it. And um, I don't know if it's going to be… any better. For you, it works. For me, it works. That's the main um, thing, yeah. Maybe you're too high to realize how sore you are. <laughs> <laughs> We make jokes about these things. Yeah, yeah, sure. There are people that are, everyone's trying to get into the business now. There's big money to be made. Uh, so I want to talk to you both attorneys. We, the three, three and a half attorneys. It's the two of you, me and Lionel. Um, Lionel's a half. <laughs> um, if we want to get into the business of manufacturing and selling cannabis oil, is it a free for all? Is it legal right now? Who wants to take that one? I'll, I'll just make an opening statement. To be very formal, I'll hand over to Mandy. It's becoming a huge business worldwide mm. to the point where there are massive capital raisings in countries like Australia, Canada, the U.S. in the hundreds of millions of dollars. As you know, cannabis has been legalized for use in states such as Colorado. Mm. One of the benefits of that has been it's, it's brought it to the surface. It's regulated it. It's taxed. People pay sales tax and, 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 and so on. What we're talking about is not today, no, not so much the retail side, mm. but the growing side. So that has become very, very big business. Well, let's talk about the growing side unless I'm interrupting. No. Yeah. So the growing side, what yeah. I'm going to hand over to is yeah. people are looking at it. It, it. it requires a licensing and regulatory framework. We also have surrounding territories, which I'll let Mandy speak to, where there's certain some, – some of the surrounding countries have the right – conditions to grow the stuff and they have slightly more advanced uh, legislative environment and legal framework mm -hmm. and licensing provisions uh, and over to you sure so i think what's great for us right now is this is a very exciting time but it's also yeah. a confusing time yes. so a health regulator issued guidelines towards the end of last year uh, sort of explaining the framework for uh, issuing of licenses to cultivate cannabis and then also to act as like a manufacturer, distributor, uh, wholesaler, etc. But to date, no commercial licenses have been issued mm -hmm. by our regulator. Uh, a couple of years back, there was an individual license that was issued, but I think that was for research purposes, so not quite the same thing. Mm -hmm. We're hopeful that in encouraging discussion, uh, and, you know, sort of people really generating interest that our regulator will take the initiative to educate themselves, you know, in, in the most granular detail to understand these concepts, to understand the differences between the various compounds, what we can be marketing. Uh, because South Africa is, we're, we're primarily located to sort of lead the continent 
on this front. Um, And, uh, you know, there are many businesses that are really focusing in on this because the opportunity is is phenomenal. It is, absolutely. absolutely. And there are certain jurisdictions, you know, our immediate neighbors that are, that have already issued licenses. Um, you know, and people are, are cultivating, um, you know, organic product here that uh, is, is going to be, uh, you know, quite popular for the international market. Okay, so if a client walks into your office, Hogan Lovells, and they say, I want to cultivate, um, I want to grow, do we call it dacha? Um, do I need a license? What's Absolutely. the answer? You're going to have to apply to, for, to the health regulator for a license. Uh, but I like can't I said, grow it in my garden, or can I? Well, so this is the Concord decision. I'll let Vaughan yes. sort of speak to that. Yeah. That, is, that is very different. So I'm speaking to a commercial. Uh, on big scale. A, yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. licensing from commercial perspective, you need it. You need to go through the process. No licenses have been issued. And also our authority are not, ostensibly they're not engaging with, you know, sort of interested parties right now to, to get that ball rolling. Okay, so Mandy, if I, if I start growing without a license, do I face criminal sanction? Can I get into trouble? Yes. What kind of trouble? That's Is a it question. a jail sentence? Possibly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So right now you cannot, you cannot start your own farm and then start cultivating, uh, no. 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 This yeah. license, you, t- yes, go ahead. Yeah. I think, no. I think Vaughn should just speak to the, the Concord decision that was uh, passed a couple of weeks ago because that, that's for personal consumption. Yes. And that does change things. And, and I'll, 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 I'll blend it, with, no pun intended, with the um, growing side. And yeah. also we've we just recently been in Amsterdam on a very high-level life science conference. No pun there either. No. <laughs> and, and, and Amsterdam, Amsterdam is, is, is you know, is the home of the original sort of tolerant coffeehouse shops. Now, what was fascinating for us was we sat with Dutch lawyers in the middle of Amsterdam. In fact, we went, went on a you know, cruise through the, the various areas and the coffee shops, and it was quite startling to be told that while the Dutch regard it as legal and fine to, 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 to purchase and use, uh, let's call it dache in a coffee shop, it's still illegal to sell it in Holland. It's just not enforced. Mm. So the law hasn't changed. Um, to come back to... to Gary and question what Mandy was saying. We have to remember in, in the regulatory environment and framework and mindset, we come from a, a period not long ago where if you possessed more than 115 grams, notwithstanding a universal presumption of innocence, our law not that long ago presumed you to be guilty of dealing unless you proved the contrary and you, you had to get a mandatory five-year prison sentence. Mm. So our our environment has been heavily criminalized and comes from a criminal background. So these Concord decisions help because they help inform the minds of the regulators to say we're moving from a decriminalized environment. The Concord's basically saying that for reasonable personal use, you can cultivate it and use it in your home. They didn't put very wide parameters on it, but I think that gave flexibility to the judgment. What now needs to happen is that momentum needs to feed through to the regulators to, in law, the Concord's given the, the, the um, Parliament 24 months to bring the laws in line with the judgment, mm. but it's got to move now into the regulation space for the cultivation and the licensing, because as Mandy was saying, a country next door to us, like Lesotho, has a licensing regime. There are people there that have bought up vast tracts of, of land. They're putting up these growing tunnels. They, they're selecting the type of genetic stock that is best suited to the medicinal p- um, production of, of, of cannabis marijuana. So in a way, we're lagging where we should be leading the continent and, and, and the movement. Sorry, just to add to that, whilst we're waiting for the legislation to be finalized, is it a criminal uh, uh, matter if I were to go and now buy marijuana for my own purpose usage or can I actually just grow it inside for my own recreational purposes and uh, medical uh, usage? I, I, I think the spirit of the judgment is that if it's for reasonable personal use, they're not going to enforce it anymore. What they did say quite loudly and clearly in the judgment, and, that, and, and you've got to remember that the original judgment came out of a, a Western Cape, uh, the, the Western Cape High Court, Cape Town Court, uh, and this was now you know, the, the Concord being asked to confirm that decision. They, they would not go anywhere near 
dealing with the question of dealing. They said they were not, not prepared to sanction mm. something such as dealing in whatever form. But they said, based pretty much on, 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 on the rights to privacy under the Constitution, for reasonable per- use and, and, and cultivation, they, they would um, find in favor of, 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 let's just call it the citizenry. Okay, so if there's a big truck on the road and they get stopped by the police and there are bales of, of dach on it, that's presumed to be dealing in anyone's mind. Is that right? And that would be a criminal offence. Sure. If Lionel walks up to a dealer on the corner of 1st and 2nd Street, Hillbra, and he buys something for his personal use, neither of them are in trouble. Is that correct? I don't, I, I don't believe that that's going to be enforced. In, let me just make an analogy to the UK and the continent. And until England leaves Brexit... You have a situation where people travel across on a ferry for the day to France and there's huge warehouses very close to the ferry. Mm. They go in and they buy tobacco and let's call it wine and spirits and they bring it back duty-free. The the customs officers adopt the attitude. If you've got three or four cases of wine, it's for your personal use. If you come back with a truck with 40 or 50 cases, they tax you for that because they say it's not reasonable co- quantities and it's not for personal consumption. Mm. So there's valued decisions that have to be made. And what the Concord said, in, there's tests of reasonableness. And each situation, the arresting or potentially arresting officer needs to make a decision. So the courts never laid down quantities. and, and they, 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 Exact they, rules. Yeah. 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 Um, I have uh, I, I met someone very recently. He's just qualified as a CPA, they call it, mm. a chartered accountant in the U.S. He's leaving one of the big five, and he's going to join a company that is producing manufacturing cannabis oil. And that's how big this is, Gary. It's yeah. it's, it's it's a huge. It's a multi. It's going to be a multi-billion-dollar industry. And as I said earlier, we have seen documents where there have been formal capital raisings. On capital markets in very um, well-known countries such as Australia and Canada, where it's become accepted. Yeah, Mandy, you want to add to this? No, I'm just. I completely agree with what Vaughan said. There is a phenomenal opportunity, but we need to get mm. ourselves in a position where people can actually apply for the licenses, get the licenses, and start doing things legally. So right now, we kind of legally have to sit back and wait, and that's what. The, the businessman doesn't want to do. He of wants to go not. ahead now. You know, you, you, no one wants to be left behind. This is this is where the money is. And 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 to you know, obviously we have to keep confidentialities. But we've had conversations with serious businessmen with serious track records with um, who see the opportunity. Hmm. These are and, pe- and, you, and do you have to turn them away right now? These people who it's not that we, no, it's not that we turn them away. We tell them that it it will it will be a period to frame the application and to get the license and the regulatory approval. Gary, people are also mm. starting to engage with our regulator, you know, to sort of start the conversation and mm. get it moving in a positive direction, which is wonderful. Are they accommodating in terms of their attitude? Because I know most of the people had high morale uh, grounds with regard to Dacha in South Africa. So are they more accommodating now that the ruling was in actually in favor of it being legal? Well, I think they don't really see the ruling as sort of forming part of the discussion on the licensing front. But what's important is that engagement has started, which means education has started. Um, and you can, you know, dispel the, the myths around what we're discussing. And that's really positive. Ken, what is the color of the cannabis oil that you take? It looks like a dark olive oil. Mm. Is no. it all that? Is it always that color, or have you not only seen your particular? No, work? I've only seen the one that I get, and I keep oh. on getting the one that I have and what I've used yeah. because I believe in it and it has worked for me. Yeah. But there's one question I want to ask Vaughan. I'm taking the cannabis oil. It's in a little nose dropper bottle, and am I doing it legally or illegally for no, personal use? For personal use. But the guy who's selling it to me is he a dealer? Let me. Yeah, possibly. That comes back to the Holland example, the Netherlands example. Yeah. They say our law accepts that you can use it freely and that the person shouldn't be selling it to you, but we don't enforce it. Uh-huh. Look, like we said, THC is a Schedule 6 substance. CBD is a Schedule 4 substance. If you want to legally access it, you have to go through an approval process, which is initiated by your treating mm-hmm. physician. 
So to answer your question, <laughs> how's the rest of the no. world dealing with with this? Uh, do you know Vaughan, the, the the UK and the USA? How are they dealing with? With actual dealing with selling manufacturers, there's there's no uniform approach, and I think it's um it's a little bit like watching a glacier sort of freeze. It's sort of the chunks break off slowly, mm. but every little bit helps. So, for instance, in America, the fact that the commercialization process has gone well in in in, in states, there's quite a few states now, but the first one was Colorado. 30, yeah. 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 Um, and it's also the states are very glad that they've done it because it's generating huge tax revenues. Mm. Just just Sales tax, as they call it there, what we call VAT. So when they see those types of um, um, initiatives pro- proving positive, um, and and now you've got, as I said, in in, in these ex- well, our ex- well, we're still in the Commonwealth, but large countries around the world introducing initiatives to provide for licensing and the growing and the. Um, it really comes down at the end of the day to. It's not so much, it's regulation, but what we were talking about earlier, quality control. Mm-hmm. You want the end user, whether they are buying it for a recreational purpose or a medical purpose, to know that they're getting something that's proved, licensed, safe, properly labeled, the right strength, right price, um, and you're not getting sold hemp oil when you're expecting something else. Just to add on what Vaughn is saying, mm-hmm. let's fast forward a, a couple of months, a couple of years and say that somebody has got a license to manufacture CBD oil. Yes. What they're going to have to comply with in order to get that license is phenomenal. You'd have to be like a manufacturing pharmacy. You'd have to comply with CGMP, which is like current good manufacturing practices. You'd have to have a responsible pharmacist. You'd have to um, be recorded. You know, there's licenses and recordals that you'd have to comply with. So the product that you are producing would be of a certain quality and people could have comfort in knowing that what they're buying is actually what you're saying it is. It, it would have to become fully mainstream. Just on that example of the responsible pharmacist, someone has to sign the batch off that it meets the qualities. Mm-hmm. Someone has to say that the raw material brought in is the right raw material with what you want to make the product. So it would be putting them on a level with a, an, you know, a, 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 a a GSK, a, a, a Pfizer, um, in terms of, of, of quality and manufacturing standards. I went onto the internet. I looked at YouTube on how to make cannabis oil. Do you, have you seen it, Mandy? I haven't. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of I understand mean, there are yeah, different processes. Not, I mean, it's not the most difficult thing in the world. Yeah. And I guess uh, you can make it for your own use mm-hmm. very easily. Like. Do you want to share? <laughs> uh, just pick it up. It's there yeah. to our listeners. Go on to YouTube and how to make cannabis it's, oil. It's, yeah. it's a bit like if you live in um, uh, on the way in the Mariko and you make mampur. You know, you you get your own distillery. So it's not it's not the most challenging yeah. um, technology that you need. It can be done. Yes, yeah. yeah, so my understanding is that there are various processes, and the one is like a cold press process. The other is sort of like alcohol extraction, yeah. but with that, there's certain impurities and like trace levels of alcohol. And then mm. the global standard is the CO2 extraction, which is the very expensive means of extracting it. So, you know, the idea for these companies that want to invest large amounts of money in, in you know, ensuring a quality product will probably use that extraction process. And obviously, there's lots of costs involved, which is why the end product mm. is very valuable. Be very I mean, there's so many cancer sufferers, uh, God forbid, so to, to any of us here, but people are kind of getting relief from this. Uh, one of our guests who hasn't turned up today for some strange reason, he's a cancer sufferer, prostate, and uh, he says it's helped him. He was going in for an op, uh, and then he got to the, uh, the, maybe outside, he got to the doctor, and the doctor said, listen, before I do anything, it seems as though there's been a whatever, and I'm going to cancel the... Operation. The operation. Wow. So there you go. I and he swears that it's uh, just just from an, an anecdotal point. Yeah. As a very young boy, I remember having a well. I had one grandmother who lived in the crew, who told me as a young boy that she believed in the medicinal properties mm. of cannabis. She didn't use it herself or smoke it. And um, there are a number of pharmacists who I I know personally rather than professionally told me that they swear by it and they are prepared to try and source it and sell it because they believe in the we're talking now on the painkilling side mm. and the medicinal side mm. um, so mostly um, one hears stories of people who take it for pain relief mm. but it, it does have medicinal you know, they properties. They say it slows or decreases the uh, 
progression of cancer cells, yes. which is marvelous. You two practice in the life... Life sciences, yes. Yeah. May I ask what kind of cases you're involved in right now? Anything of excitement or... Well, I mean, not related to cannabis, no, no, sort of in general. general yeah. Well, so another interesting uh, change that we have going on, you know, in South Africa is the fact that medical devices are being highly regulated for the first time, really, sort of ever. Mm. Um, and you know, this is creating opportunities. Again, confusion to a certain extent. So we're we're engaged with clients in submitting comments on draft regulation, which is always very exciting because you're put in a position of being an influencer. You get to uh, collaborate with your clients and with the regulatory authority to put workable legislation in place, which is such a privilege. And obviously, medical for, devices give us an idea of what you're talking about. I mean, medical devices uh, so very very broad. Mm. Gloves, uh, catheters, uh, glucometers. Mm. I think. I think. Traditionally, when you think of a medical device, you think of a big X-ray machine yes. or an MRI. Yeah. But the way the legislation is currently framed, it's as wide as the sky. Absolutely. And yeah. the other interesting change that we've got going on is NHI. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you guys have all heard yeah, about. Very tell us about interesting. That, yeah. So we is that going ahead? Actually, yes. I don't know. Yeah, how, yes, uh, it is. Yeah. yeah. I wrote, yeah. a, I wrote a, a dissertation on it. Yes, you did, Lionel. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, okay, yeah. so Lionel and I can have a nice little chat <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah. So, so we saw some draft legislation coming out in uh, in June, mm. and uh, people were given three months to comment um, on the framework. But the thing is that the document that was issued was was quite quite light in many in many mm. regards. So people were finding it difficult to actually provide meaningful comment because they don't really have that sort of meat to sink their teeth into to say, well, There's have no you substance. exactly, yes. you know, have you thought about how this is all going to fit together? You know, what's the knock on impact? Uh, you know, another client that we, that we worked on um, in submitting client, you know, comments on, on the NHI draft bill, um, you know, again, took a very collaborative approach in how they wanted to, Shape the process. Yeah, shape the process. So instead of sort of, you know, poking holes in what we had, the questions were, okay, well, this is what you're proposing. So have we thought about procurement? Certainly. How is this going to work going forward? Have we thought about funding? Mm. Who is going to be responsible for the funding? Exactly. You see, sorry to interrupt, you've got a central body and then you've got provincial departments. Yes. So who's going to buy and who's going to pay? Yeah, exactly. Um, so you know these these things are very interesting. I obviously Lionel and I are yeah no are life science nerds, so that's great. <laughs> no, no, and 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 uh, I'll tell you what the most sort of challenging part is going to be the, the money side. Yes, you know if you spend any time in the UK, you can pick up the newspaper on any day of the week. There's going to be a story about the NHS. Either it's good points or it's bad points. Um, it's always underfunded. Uh, it's always under strain. I mean, this last their last winter. They, they they came close to to, cra- to cr- cracking because they had bad flu and a lot of people were hospitalized, which meant that surgical cases got shifted out and people couldn't be operated on because there were no beds for them. Mm. So the cost there and they, the, the, the the amount of the budget, I think I think the money spent in England exceeds a hundred billion pounds. Now, what the minister of health was asked and his answer he was asked. Has anyone costed this? And he said, no, because we've never done it before. Mm. So we're looking at an open-ended, uncosted process. And I think that's going to be part of it. It's going to be very much legal. What is the framework? How do you more efficiently implement it? But what is it going to be cost? What is it going to cost? How is it going to be funded and by who? And, and how will the reimbursement issues work between the provinces and national government? Certainly. Have you got the answers, Lars? Uh, well, there, there isn't much uh, actually happening because the other dissertation that I wrote was actually on how total quality management can actually improve, uh, can help a public hospital to improve their services. Because right now, as they speak about the, all these components, they speak about their own individual uh, uh, portfolios. But to run a national health insurance, you need all co- components to run like a well-oiled machine, mm. which means total quality management in all aspects so that they speak to one degree of savings delivery. So if you go to, for, the, for, for example, if you go to McDonald's, all McDonald's use the same system. So in government currently, different provinces use different systems for themselves, and only to find that insofar as actually paying the service providers, they take time. Then how actually that is going to affect the service uh, delivery, it's going to be something that the department actually needs to pay much attention to. But then if you then 
look at this, uh, the, the the consultation process with regard to normal stakeholders, there wasn't much actually done in terms of actually um, giving people the benefit of the doubt of actually improving their knowledge of understanding what NHI is all about. How is it going to benefit them? Because now the, the narrative that is actually being sold is simply that it's going to be free for everyone. But who's going to fund it? The very same people who actually are going to benefit from it. Yeah, that's but then a million like dollar they, question, isn't then it? Then yeah. the whole system of uh, e-tolls, what actually, how it was actually sold to us. But right now people are being rebellious towards it. So uh, I'm actually just kind of worried with regard to the overall uh, futuristic of it. Anyone want to comment on that? See, the thing is, we want to make sure that everybody has appropriate and adequate access to healthcare. Which means that we're going to, as a society, we need to, you know, sort of sit up and say there are certain healthcare establishments and facilities that are not up to scratch. Mm. And we need to ensure that that sort of playing field is equalized before we can really say that all of our citizens have the same access. Um, you know, because if you, if you look at, you know, where people are located, certain provinces, um, I know Vaughan can speak to this. If you're suffering from cancer and you need oncology treatment, it's a bit of a, what's it called, like a postcard lottery? You see, yeah, and the UK also has postcode lotteries. Although they've got a good NHS, if you, if you live in Knightsbridge, you're going to get better treatment than if you live in the north in Hull. You see, one of the concerns is is that it's what facilities do we need and what facilities do we have that are not being maintained. So there have been reports recently that in places like the Free State and KZN, um, they have machinery and equipment, but it's not maintained. So in a province like KZN, oncology patients are not being treated. The other thing with the NHI that, 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 that is, has to be determined is what kind of what, what facilities, what basic facilities do we need? In other words, must a hospital in Santon offer something similar to a hospital in Polokwane? Must a hospital have cardiac treatment or will there be a center of excellence that you get referred to? Will there be core centers of excellence and, and, and minimum requirements? If you're a woman and you want to give birth, must every hospital have a, you know, a, a, um, an obstetric okay. facility? Um, so that hasn't been worked out or standardized. Mm. So it's the minimum standards and above. Yeah. But uh, also, currently we've got, uh, they've got a pilot stage, which I've actually, it raised a lot of questions insofar as what sort of uh, research information are they taking from this pilot stages to actually say, this has worked, this hasn't worked, how can we actually improve the things that hasn't actually worked? So if you go to the Department of Health and actually ask for that data, they're unable to give it to you because they don't necessarily have it. So with regard to knowledge and information management skills, it's something that we need to really pay much attention to it because it's going to be assisting us in the long term run to actually do some sort of um, a post uh, project uh, closure uh, assessment to say this has actually worked and how can we actually make it a point that we can actually improve on it so those are just some of the things th- the basic things that mm-hmm. we need to actually make it a point that the policies speak to those things before we can actually speak at the larger scale of things. When, when is it uh, anticipated that this would kick in? Anyone know? No. It's, 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 I mean it's been it's been on the cards for years now no. People are talking 2026. Yeah. Uh, that's sort I of think it's optimistic. It is quite yeah. optimistic. Perhaps, perhaps, Mandy, we could maybe just mention two things. Allied to that, value-based health outcomes is an mm-hmm. issue that hasn't really been explored. And do we mention the um, commission, uh, the Competition Commission inquiry, which also touched on health? Sure. Yes. So value-based healthcare is something that you know I'm quite passionate about, and I mm-hmm. need to thank uh, some of my clients who really sort of drive this. Um, you, you can know, mention names with pleasure <laughs> <much, yeah. laughs> for educating me. Yeah. Um, and uh, what they what they're saying is that look, if you are going to be going through a specific treatment protocol, and this is uh, you know state of the art modern technology, yes, it'll initially be more expensive, but the ultimate savings need to be taken into account. Mm. You know, where you have um, an advanced form of surgery um, that reduces your sort of time spent in hospital or recovering away from work, you know, it's sort of like a comprehensive picture that you need to look at. Uh, the question is, how, how does that feed into our NHI framework? Are they going to be considering the benefits of value-based healthcare and what this could mean for um, our country from a costing perspective long-term? Um, 
as for the competition commission, so <laughs> this is a what four or five years in the four or five years in the making. Mm. Uh, the the competition commission launched uh, an inquiry into the health market, looking at the private healthcare market and um, you know costing and over servicing. You know, interactions between. Is, is that ongoing? Gary, is Gary, that happening now? Y- yes, yes. You, you, you would know the chairman very well, retired Chief Justice Sandili Ngobo. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he's been laboring away for more than four years and he, pr- he produced a recent preliminary report, yeah. but with big impact potentially on, on, on private health care. Perhaps you can talk to some of their recommendations. Yeah, so the, uh, in that document, we, we saw the, pro- the provisional report, um, and again, sort of industry stakeholders were invited to engage and submit further comments and I think that comment period closed on the 7th of mm, September it did. and we're expecting to see the final draft um, Next month. yeah end of November so what they were proposing is that we actually have sort of like a, a, a licensing process for healthcare establishments um, you know and instead of having that done at a provincial level which in principle it, it should be it should be you know uh, executed at at the moment that it should all be done at national level they're looking at uh, the transparency of medical scheme uh, plans and the pricing mm. how to how to deal with healthcare professionals and fee for services so lots of lots of proposed changes coming out of that but none of these recommendations are binding in terms of the competition legislation that we have in South Africa at the moment, uh, recommendations made in terms of an inquiry are not binding. We s- anticipate that that's going to be changing. And possibly followed by draft legislation. You know, yeah. if, if government wishes to follow those mm. proposals. But the, sort of the, the, the kind of potential policy impact is we don't care, not, not don't care, if you may be a big hospital group, you may wish to go on risk, and you may wish to build another hospital in Santon, but we want to decide whether it should be there or somewhere else or whether we think it's desirable to have another. That seems to be one of the implications of what flows from that recommendation. Yeah, like a certificate of need. A certificate of need. Mm. Yeah. It's very, I've been kind of following this but uh, today and uh, in the press. It's quite hard if you don't really know the ins and outs. We should have done another – we should do another show on this whole thing. I think we should. Happy to. Yeah. Um, many thanks to all of you for coming through on the cannabis oil and then the extras that you gave us. And to you, Ken. Thank you. Keep going strong. As long as it works for you. That's what it's all about. Uh, Just to to add, when I first took it, yes, I was skeptical. I thought, you know, what's in this bottle? But I had been referred by some people who had taken it Mm. because it was just a little bit of oil in a small bottle. Could have killed me. I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come to you and ask you for a drop or two and see whether it gives me an extra two hours sleep. Let me know when you go. (laughs) Yeah, otherwise you could buy it for 1600 rand a bottle. We have people outside waiting as you walk out. We'll give you a t-shirt and the video as well. Taking orders. Taking orders. To our guests, if you want a bottle, just phone Lionel and he'll deliver it. (laughs) Yeah, fantastic show. We've been talking to Vaughan Harrison, Mandy Krebs of Hogan Lovells International Law Firm, and then to Ken Phillips. What you, you want to tell us what you do for a living, Ken, or is it unimportant? No, I'm in the gold business. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> everything that's gold is, is cannabis oil. <laughs> to Lionel McCorker-Cletter, keep going on the NHI. Good stuff, Lions. Thank you, Bayer. Who's our controller today? Aviwe. Aviwe. He never says anything. Welcome and thank you. Appreciate it. To you, the most important person, our listener, thanks for listening till next Tuesday. Yes. See you then. Thank you, bye. Thanks, bye. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.